the volume. Soup with Coop is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. My next guest on Soup with Coop probably gets compared to my physique more than anyone else I've ever met. We have the same body, the same neck, the same traps, the same biceps, triceps, quads, calves, and attitude. If you follow him in the NFL, you rush for a thousand yards. It's a given. So welcome Lorenzo Neal to Soup with Coop. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Soup with Coop. I'm looking forward to this interview. I'm excited about it. And uh, God, when I got the opportunity, I said, why not? Why not soup with Coop? I love it. Love the show. I love some good soup. I'm excited to see what you got in plan for me. You know, you you requested onion soup. When I think of Lorenzo yes. O'Neal, I think of him he, eating you know, like baked potato soup or something. I didn't know you're an onion guy. I'm an onion guy. You know, everyone talks about, you know, onions, you know, the, the chicken soup and they talk about the potato soup and the, you know, the steak soup, soup that's just, you know, that's so full of just, you know, the, the big hearty soups that everyone likes. But for me, you got to have that onion. Something about that onion, Coop, is just amazing. You think about it, the position I played, the fullback position, you know, it's unappreciated. They don't talk about it a lot. My soup's nice and hot, by the way, too, Coop. Oh, is it? My, you know. Oh, yeah. What are you, what are you going with? I see you got a little, what are you, what are you? Look, I, if Lorenzo Neal's going to have onion soup, I'm having onion soup. This is more of a French onion soup because yes. I like to think of myself as French. I'm holding that, like that, like that pinky up. Yes, I see, as, as a pinky, as, as he's got his pinky finger up. Mm-hmm. I can I appreciate that. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I, I just look at soup and I look at just the way, the reason why onion soup is so dear to me, if I can tell you, if I can indulge you in a story. Please. I, my, my grandmother, rest in, you know, she may she rest in peace. She died at the age of 97 years old. Her name was Viola, and my grandfather's name was Oliver. And I remember I was in kindergarten, and we would have it show and tell, and it was about bring your favorite fruit or vegetable to school. And everyone, you know, had stories about different things. Some of them brought their fruit, you know, strawberries and cherries. Some brought, you know, tomatoes and different types of fruit. And my grandma and I came out and I, grandma told me, said, son, bring that onion. So I pull out of my bag and it's an onion. And everyone looked, oh, he's got an onion. And they had, they talked, they had beautiful palms about, you know, strawberries and bananas and, you know, all these great. And I told him, man, look at me and laugh and goes, old green onion, the old onion, red onion, it looks like smelling. They're like, what? Why the onion? I said, because my grandma, she sat with me. She said, you know something about that onion? People disrespect onion. You know, they don't like to necessarily like the onion, but when you want a good soup, you call on that onion. When you want a good hamburger, you call on that onion. When you want some good pasta, good, you know, lasagna and different types of food, you call on that onion. That onion gives us such a unique flavor. And just like the fullback position, it wasn't appreciated. No one wanted to talk about that position. But if you wanted four yards in a cloud of dust, if you wanted to run lead draw and you wanted to go straight down the middle, and if you wanted to be physical and get after the game, you called on that old onion. You called on the fullback position, baby. That's why onion soup, baby. Well, that is exactly why you're my guest. I wouldn't have it any other way. I would, you know, I, I want to do my intro and all over and just say, you know, my next guest is the onion. 
the onion that no one appreciates, Lorenzo Neal. That's what I. There you go. If you, if only I could do a retake. <laughs> Lorenzo, I remember when you were drafted the Saints. I had just graduated from high school, and you know you were a, a rusher. You were a back, but they they kind of they knew you were such a valuable asset. They didn't want to let you. I know you'd had an injury that maybe kind of curtailed your speed, and they said fullback was that a, was that a, a big adjustment for you it was a huge adjustment because you know in, in high school you're running the ball all the time so play fullback and play you know fullback in college but with Jim Sweeney we ran that west coast offense so it was two back so I still had a thousand yards so I got to run the ball a lot at Fresno State as well so when I came in the league um they, they quickly saw that I could not just a fullback but they saw that I could run the ball so they would have me go single back and I was dotting the eye and I was playing a lot of, you know use me as a fullback but using me mostly as a runner as well and the first several games, I was leading the league in rushing, and I broke my ankle. And that next year, just couldn't cut on the dime and leave nine cents change. I just didn't have that get up and go like I used to. And I remember Jim Moore, he called me in the office. Man, Jim Moore is a great guy. I love Jim Moore. Still have contact with old Jim and Jim Moore and Jim Moore Jr. They're great people. And he said, Lorenzo, you can play in this league for another 10 years, and you can have a long career if you accept what I'm telling you. You might not be able to run the ball anymore but you're physical enough and God has given you this body. You can play fullback. It's not glamorous. It's the old onion position, but I'll tell you what, you'll be depended on and people will need you when they want those tough yards and you'll always have a place in this game. And I left out of his office, not necessarily happy, but I left out of his office accepting, accepting that he said, look, this is what you're going to have to do in order to be able to prolong your career. And I took it on 17 years later, still was there. Amazing career. Lorenzo, I'd be curious if you were a young rookie coming in now and they had that same, you think you get that same conversation? You think you're, it's a, a luxury now for a guy to pivot to fullback because it's, it's, uh, it's hard to name fullbacks this, this day and age. It, it is. And, and if I could do it all over again, I'll tell you what, I would have played linebacker. I was all American in high school. I averaged 16 tackles a game. I actually recruited at Fresno State to play defense. So I would have stayed on the defensive side of the ball. I never would have wanted to glamour. I would have been on defense. But yes, if I came into the league right now, and even though it's a spread type of offense and it's five wides and it's all the different things they do, you have to make room. See, opportunity is never lost. It's given to someone else. Coop, just like that's why I have Coop, with, you know, have soup with Coop. You understand. You said, let me get my niche. Let me have that. You going to come on, Coop, and have a little soup? Let's make this happen. I say, come on to the field and come see what Lowe can do on the field at the fullback position. I will make it happen. And that's the difference. You got to realize football is an attitude. The will to win means nothing without the will to prepare. So when you ask me, if I came in the league now, would I play fullback and would I still be have success? And my answer is absolutely Yes. Why? Because I believe that I'm special. Why? Because I believe that I'm legendary, Coop. Legendary. I love it. I love having legends on this show. I'm, I feel I'm very <laughs> flattered that you're you're here. Would you say also that at times, maybe if you were on the cusp of maybe not making the team, that you think you made the team because what a great locker room guy you were? Yeah, I, I do. I think a lot of it is, has to do with attitude and locker room and just tough guys. You know, football is a physical sport. And I look at guys, you look at the league and everyone talks about the fullback position. Yes, it's a dying breed. But you look at San Francisco, a guy like Cal Huszczyk, you see what he's able to do at the fullback position. You look at Kansas City, even though they don't run a lot of two backs, they have one, the Raiders. So there is a fullback still in the game, but it's the way that you lead. It's the way when you come out to practice and you look for the biggest and toughest guy and you run and you go after that linebacker and you show that you put him on his ass. 
you find a way to make yourself valuable. You find a way to make yourself not just wanted, but needed. Because everyone wants that shiny car, but what do you really need? You need a car to get you to point A and point B. Point B. And so, yes, a lot of it had to do with the physical, physical attribute that I brought to the game, but also, like you said, the attitude, the locker room, going ahead and showing guys how to lead, being the first one in the locker room, being the first one in the weight room, being the first one out to practice, you know, doing the extra things, doing those things. That's how you build success. That's how you build chemistry is being a leader. Leadership isn't given, it's earned. Lorenzo, feel free to have some soup while I'm talking here. But, you know, it's kind of interesting now when you look in the players who are now coaching, a lot of times the superstars are the ones that, you know, obviously they make so much money sometimes, they don't want to necessarily go back and be a coach. It's hard. The commitment is amazing. But you have some, you know, some some line, some linebackers and capable some linemen, but not the real marquee highest paid guy. You seem like the perfect person that someone would want on staff as a coach. And did you ever have any thoughts of becoming a coach after after playing days? Yeah, I've had opportunities. Marty Schottenheimer, the great late Marty Schottenheimer, wanted me to coach for him. Um, I, I also had a coaching job that was given that was that um, from Cal Berkeley um, when the head coach uh, was Teddy um, was Teddy. He was our head head coach, and then he ended up coaching in Tampa Bay, but. And then was a coach at Fresno, uh, Jim Tepper, Jeff Tepper. Yes, so sir. Jeff Tepper also offered me a job and, you know, to coach. And Coop, I think coaching is a very, very unique place. And it takes a different type of individual. Do I have the ability to coach? Yes. Do I think I can lead and help guys and understand football and help guys go from childhood to manhood to adulthood and all those things? Yes. It's just the time. The commitment those guys, those coaches put in. I watch coaches come in at 7 o'clock in the morning. They get done at seven, at like nine or 10 o'clock at night. And hell, some of the coaches just sleep on the couch instead of going driving home for 30, driving home 20 minutes. They have to turn around and get back up at six o'clock. They said, shoot, it's already 11 o'clock. They can shower there and just lay on the couch and get up in the morning. So it's a very, very tough job. And I watch these coaches, the hours and the commitment that they put in and, and what they have to do in order to, because it's a very, very tough, tough, tough job. And you know, the NFL stands for not for long and coaches the same thing. The carousel goes around. And so it's something that I, that's, that's one of the things that hindered me because watching the time that they put it in. So I wanted to spend more time with my kids. Well, you're good for that. That's uh that's noble on your part. And, and I admire how these coaches manage their family. It's impressive. You mentioned not for long. And one stat that pops up when you're looking at your bio is the, sh the quickest pin on a wrestling match. Not for long was how long that guy wrestled you. I feel sorry for this chump that had to wrestle you back in California. Tell me about your wrestling career and that particular match. Was there still, I think it's still a state record. I don't know what it was. Is it eight seconds, eight, four <laughs> seconds? I don't know how fast it was. It, but you know what? The guy was looking for to take a nap. He just wanted to, you know what? I, I, get, I made a promise with him. I said, hey, look, at that time I'm in high school. So I said, hey, I'll pay you, you know, Five bucks in high school is a lot of money, right? At that time. <laughs> so let me pin you really quick. <laughs> oh, um, I just got lucky. I was, I'm, I'm a country boy, Coop. I'm raised in Lamore, California. I'm raised in a country town. I grew up every morning, have to get up at 4.30, drive down to the pig pen, hog, hog farm, had raised hogs and pigs and chickens and goats and, and cows. So I would have, so when the cows, people don't understand when the cows have the babies, you take the calves and you take them out from the mother and you put them in these stalls and you have to hand feed them bottles because they'll get stomped or it's wet 
They'll, you know, the mud, they can die. They get trampled by the cows. So I had to feed the calves, hand feed bottles to the calves, slop hogs, give them their feed, get done by 7, 7.30 and still go to school. Go to school, sometimes even get up earlier, coop, because I had wrestling practice sometime early in the morning, go and smell like hog and poop and cow poop. And no, no wonder you pin that guy in eight seconds. Exactly. So exactly. I, I was a sneaky boy. And and then shower and go to school, go to practice and come back home, coop, and do it again twice a day because those cows they had to eat. And then on Friday nights, coop, I averaged six door, I think I averaged 14 tackles a game. Average over 100 yards a game. I was California athlete of the year. I would run for 100 yards, you know, get 16 tackles a game. And you know what my dad would say? Instead of getting up at 4 o'clock, my dad would tell me at 8, 7 o'clock on Saturdays, rise and shine. Those cows don't care how many yards you ran for, boy, last night. Come on, let's go. So I had to go ahead and make it to the league. I was like, I cannot do this the rest of my life. No way, not me. Are you ready to ramp up the excitement every college football Saturday this season? Play Colin Cowherd's Saturday spreads on FanDuel for a free shot at big prizes. The game is simple. We'll choose 10 of college football's biggest matchups each week. Make your picks against the spread for each one. And the fans who get the most right win a share of $5,000 in prizes. That's a share of $5,000 in prizes up for grabs every week. Here's what I'm thinking this week. It's the luck of the Irish. On the road, virtual pick'em game at the moment, getting a point and a half on FanDuel against the Wisconsin Badgers. I'm going with the Volume Sports team inside the Garage Podcast. My boys, Team Volume, on the road, getting it done against the Big Ten. Also take Clemson, swallowing the 9.5 against NC State. I think they're all business in practice. Getting away with one in Week 2. Dabo, all business, no smiles. Anytime you can get a top four team in the country under 10 points, I think you got to take it. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash Saturday spreads or download the FanDuel app to check in on Colin or Mai's weekly pick and get your picks in before kickoff for your free shot at $5,000 in prizes. Disclaimer, no purchase necessary. Age restrictions apply depending on location. Void where prohibited. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. Now, when you when you made it to the league, were your parents super proud of you and supportive and come to the games? How did that work? Absolutely. I was so blessed to have two parents that were married over 50 years. And, you know, my dad went home, you know, in June, January, sorry, July 6, 2016. And, uh, but he was a great man. He um, taught me what work ethic is. You know, my grandparents, Viola and Oliver, they came from, we're from, our family's from Fort Worth, Texas. And this is for those listeners out there, because now we live in a world that's different. We live in a world that's constantly changing. And I just want people to know that you still have opportunity and hope. And don't look, if you can look up, you can get up. Don't let your position, don't let your condition dictate your position in life. My grandmother and grandfather, there's a guy named Cunningham. He would drive a truck and he would bring families from Texas out to California. California was another big ad place. And it was a place called the Island District where a lot of the blacks stayed kind of in like a convolute, it was kind of like a little home where everyone stayed kind of a compound and a lot of black families. 
So my grandparents and five of the brothers at the time, because one of my uncle Joe wasn't born yet, and my aunt Bernice, they came out on a on a truck, you know, on the back of a truck, and sometimes they switched turns coming inside the car truck and stuff. But he had a kind of wagon and truck that was covered. And he would bring families out for like a hundred bucks or so they would come out to California. So the family came out to Cali. My grandmother got a job and she was a supervisor. She was, you know, they chopped cotton. So you get paid by how much cotton you'd pick and you would have to weigh it. So my grandmother gave me a lot of, and this was one of those stories my grandmother gave me when I was graduating. I was, I was Valley player of the year. I was league player of the year. I was central Valley player of the year. I was Northern California athlete of the year. And I was California athlete of the year. Yes, your boy, your boy, I beat out Michael Chain, tennis player, your boy, I was, I beat out Curtis Conway, Quincy Watts, all those guys, Willie McGinnis, I beat all those guys for athlete of the year, and so my grandma, she sat down, and she had old beat up station wagon, she said, don't worry, son, I ain't gonna give you the station wagon, I was like, oh, thank you, and so she started telling me this story, Coop, of how they came out, and she told me how she picked cotton, and she was a supervisor, and she had like 25 people under her, and she was telling me that she was pregnant with Michael Joe. And she went to work on Wednesday and she went into labor Wednesday night, had my Uncle Joe, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, you're off. She had my Uncle Joe on Friday. She had my Uncle Joe on Thursday. And Friday, she went back to work. And I said, Grandma, why don't you just take Friday off? And then you would have Friday and you would have Saturday and Sunday and go back on Monday. She said, son, never take a vacation when the boss is around. I said, why not, Grandma? She said, they'll realize how much they don't need you. And that piece of advice, Coop, has stuck with me to this day. It stuck with me when I was in high school. It stuck with me in college, in the NFL, came back off of four weeks being a broken leg, played in three weeks, four weeks prior to that, tried to get out there on the field after breaking a ball, never wanted to take, played in 170 some streak, I don't know, 200 some games, one of the longest Ironman streaks that I had, because always, even though I was injured, I knew I could get out there. I knew my grandma was saying, they don't take a vacation. Somebody will get to showcase what they can do. So Life is going to be full of ups and downs. People are going to do things or say things, but you got to be tough. You got to understand tough people don't last. Tough times don't last. Tough people do, especially in the world we live in now, Coop, where everything is, you know, you look at racism at an all-time high, but you're looking at this message and you're looking at it and you're saying, but what can I do? What can I do to change how can I put myself and other people that are in position? How can I show love? You don't show love. And I tell people all the time, Coop, you don't have to be red or blue to do what's right. See, we, we, we were in a country now that it's too many people that I got to be red or blue. No, you don't have to be red or blue to do what's right. It's in your heart. And that's what's wrong with this country. What happened to our love? What happened to our compassion? And most of all, what happened to God? You know, Lorenzo, it's almost that story you just told. It's a, it's a modern day Wally Pip story. You know the Wally Pip story? Yes. You know, <laughs> I, I tell the Wally Pip story. I feel like tell it. Six, tell it for the listeners. Months. Tell it again. No, it's just the great story of Wally Pip, who was a, a successful first baseman for the Yankees back in the heyday, and tells the manager one day he wants to take the day off. And, and they said, What's the deal? He's like, Nothing. I'm just kind of, you know, feeling a little tired or don't don't want to play today. And sure enough, they called up Lou Gehrig and he played and then the rest is history. Now he played in more history. consecutive games than anyone until finally Cal Ripken broke it. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I have a couple of kids uh, who are playing high school and they have buddies who get hurt. And I kind of always, hey, don't, walk, go, don't get Wally pipped. And they go, what's that? I'm like, you know, you can't, you miss a couple of practices and it, it may be over. So, you know, someone's I love that story. job. Yeah. 
I, I, I think that's a great story. Every kid needs to know about Wally Pippa. Thanks, a great story. By the way, how's that? That soup's looking pretty good. Mine's going down pretty well as well. I'm glad. I'm glad you're. Just, I, I just love the fact that you're an onion guy. That's still, and, and and your whole life is like, like one big onion. I think. Yeah, you're Forrest starting to Gump, see it, right? Forrest Gump was a you box of chocolates. You're Forrest Gump was a box of chocolates. You're 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 a couple onions hey, Coop, on the side of the table. Hey, Coop, you're starting to understand now why I'm an onion soup guy. You're starting to. It's all starting to morph. Is this one of the better shows? Did you understand why the onion? Now you're starting to get it, right, Coop? I know. I think I'm like parsley, low. They they just throw me to the side. They just take me up. <laughs> We don't need it. We don't need it. What is this? It doesn't do anything. Exactly. Hey, hey, Coop, you, I got to ask you something that's totally off. This is just yeah. one of those moments. I got to go ahead and hit you with. So when I was coming on the show, I was looked at. I was like, man, is that is that one of the Manning brothers? Do you get that all the time? Oh yeah, always. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Peyton or which was got a little Peyton. You got the little. You got the little. A little bit of a little Peyton, a little Eli, a little both. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of the other brother, you know. Yeah, exactly. You're, I'm, a, I'm calling you the other brother. I was like, man, I was like, I was thinking, looking, I was like, man, this guy kind of reminds me of one of the Mannings. <laughs> well, when you have two brothers who win Super Bowls and get MVPs, you're going to be kind of the other guy. So, you know, <laughs> hey, my, sometimes I, it's not sometimes it's not bad to be the other guy. No, no, that's why I'm, you know, parsley and onions hanging out today. That's what it's all about. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of onions, you had five. You had five unbelievable athletes following Onion behind you. You know, you had Adrian Morrell, Warwick Dunn, Eddie George, Corey Dillon, and LaDainian Tomlinson all in a row, 11 years in a row, run behind you and uh, and get, you know, Pro Bowl status and 1,000 yards. You took a lot of pride in that, I imagine. No question. I think when you look at it and think about the position that I played and seeing those guys and watch those guys go to Pro Bowl and watch one of them get inducted to the Hall of Fame. And I think that Eddie, I think that Eddie George is deserving of the Hall of Fame as well. And you look at work done, what he's had an amazing career. I was blessed. Those guys made me look good. Just like I made them look good, they made me look good. But it was something that I took a lot of pride in. I took a lot of pride in making sure that I did my job. I took a lot of pride in making sure that those guys behind me, and hey, when I came in the game, they knew that I came to do two things on Sunday chew bubble gum and kick ass. And on Sunday, I was fresh out of bubble gum. So, <laughs> Coop, I'm bringing it, baby. I you love it. This? We need you it. Want we the, need onion? it. the onion's coming, baby. You know, I was, you know, in Canton um, recently for the uh, amazing, uh, I'd never been to the Hall of Fame. I'd never been to Canton. I'd never seen enshrinement and induction. And then to find out that you actually introduced LaDainian Tomlinson going into the Hall of Fame, uh, that's, that hit me right there. That's, that's amazing that he, thought that highly of you. It was Matt, of all the coaches and people that have influenced him, the guy in front of him uh, paving the way and, and leading the way was uh, the guy who wanted to, in, you know, walk him into Canton. That's, in, that's really special. It, it hit me so hard, man. When he asked me, when he called me and said, hey, man, I want you to do this honor. I was, I was taken away. I was taken back. I mean, there's so many guys. He could have had Drew Brees. He could have had Marty Schottenheimer. Could have had his brother, his mother. And uh, he chose me. And um, I'm so grateful. Ladainian Thomason is a better, he's a way better person than he is player. You could imagine that. I used to say, if you see the back of two one, it's too late. He was, if he was even, he was leaving. Um, just a phenomenal guy who had so much to give. One of my sisters, her name is Twyla. Um, she was a down, down baby, born with down syndrome. And um, she loved Ladainian. 
well, Danny could run, we could win, lose, or draw, and she was at a game. You're talking about the, my parents coming to the games. Of course, my parents would come and they'd bring Twyla. And whether we lost, whether we won, Ladanian looking for Twyla. And Twyla was looking for him. She's like, where's Ladanian? I love him. I want to marry him. He's my boyfriend. So it was always, I said, Portia's not going to have that, his wife. And, and it was just always where he would just go out of the way to make sure Twyla's okay. And we go over to the Pro Bowl and she comes and he's taking pictures with her, walking with her, and just... And when you have a guy like that, that so many people are wanting you, you know, demanding your time and your energy, but him going out of the way to see someone special like that, it just, it, he's a, he'll always be, in, always be indebted and endearment to Ladanian. Well, I think it's, even in this short little time, I can, I can see why Ladanian would want you being on his team going into Canton because uh, you're an inspiration and a, a fantastic mentor and teammate and just a, a great a great guy. That's kind of why I think a lot of teams would want you around those young kids, mentoring them. It's a, uh, it's no secret. You have a son now who's um, who played at Purdue, who's getting into the swing of things. Tell me about Lorenzo Jr. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I'm very, very pleased. First of all, that he's graduated from Purdue, which is, you know, top five schools in engineering. So very proud that he graduated, got his piece of paper. And it's interesting because kids, they just don't, it's like, He's way smarter than me. And I'm like, I'm like, but dad only played like 16 or 17 years in a pro. So sometimes he just won't listen though. And it's like, and it's tough because you got to let them live their life. And my son hurt his knee a couple of years back, blew out his knee. And so before that, he was slotted to go first round. Everyone was talking about how high he was going to go. And then he came back and played a couple of games. And then COVID came, of course, and didn't, you know, had a shortened season. So didn't do as well as he wanted and only played like four games. So he could have came back for fifth year. I said, son, won't you, you already graduated. Come back to school, do those things. Nah, dad, I'm coming out. So you're like, okay. And so you let him do his deal and he goes to the saints and, you know, he comes out, goes to the saints. So he's excited because that's a team that I played for. And I'm not as excited as he is. So I'm like, cause I'm just like, cause you know, I, I looked at several teams and, you know, me being played or played and also knowing some of the coaches and knowing some of the individuals. And so I, I'm talking to some of the coaches that I know and played against or just knew them. And, and I thought Denver was a great fit for him because I knew the coaches and at least he would get a fair opportunity. Not if he wasn't good enough, it wasn't going to be because he didn't get a chance. So that's only thing that I was looking for him, for him, uh, uh, you know, for, for Lorenzo, my son. So he goes to the Saints, get released, you know, right when training camp starts. And I'm like, okay. So you know, it's like, oh, dad, calm, dad, help. You know, it's like, oh, dad. So it's just, it's just funny how kids, you know, he's like, it, it's like, but you have to just step back and, and, you know, let things happen. And no, he's in great shape and he's working. And just out of nowhere, you know, you know, he gets another chance. Now he's in Denver and, and we'll see what happens. And, you know, it's a situation where you just, you know, you're hoping and you think that something's best and then it comes to fruition without even you having to, you know, just, and so I think that's great for him. And, and I'm just excited for him. I'm excited about his opportunity um, to go play football, to have an opportunity to play in the National Football League. So he understands what's at stake, his work ethic. He understands how hard he has to work. He's around a great, great, uh, great deal of great coaches. So he's going to have the opportunity if he's good enough. And if he's not, he's going to get, you know, hopefully another team or whatever may happen. But he understands this is his process. It's his journey. And as a parent, all you do is you sit back, you give them a little advice every now and then, 
They tell you shut up. They don't want to hear it. And you just move on. <laughs> you know, I'll, we're, we're always on the show. We're always fortunate to have great players. And I, I love to talk to people about their nemesis, who they, who they, in your case, who you met in the hole, what linebackers you had to go up against or what corner had to get receivers or linemen going against guys. But in your career, who were a couple guys that were, gave you all you wanted? I'll tell you, one of the guys, for me, personally, I had the Dome Patrol. So I had to deal with Sam Mills, Bahan Johnson, Ricky Jackson. At practice, those guys would absolutely tear me up. So training camp comes. I'm a rookie. So I'm not afraid, though. You know, I'm wrestling All-American. I was All-American wrestling college, so I'm a tough guy. But Brad Muster, they just signed Brad Muster from Chicago Bears fullback. And he gets injured, so it's hamstring. So I'm the only fullback. And I remember going against Sam and them, and it was just a tough day of practice. So that night, I asked the guys, hey, what do you guys want for dinner? You know, and you know, so I bought them pizza and beer. I'm like, hey, but just tomorrow at practice, let's take it a little easy. I'm the only fullback. So, you know, if I give you the nod or the wink, hey, let you know it's play, let's just make it look good. I buy them pizza. They got you. I got you, Rook. Next day, I come out, we get ready to run a play. And I tell them, hey, here we go. Sam Mills flattens me. I'm like, what happened to the pizza I got you guys? So those guys made me tough. Sam Mills, rest in peace, was a great player, great man, great mentor. Ricky Jackson was one of the toughest guys I ever met. Bon Johnson had a head like the size of a, a hammer, just a big meathead to the toughest nails. And Pat so those, Willing. Oh, a sweet swell. So all those guys were unbelievable. So I had those guys getting ready. But then as far as the game, Old school, Jesse Tuggle. Don't know if you oh. number 58, played for the Atlanta Falcons. Jesse Tuggle was a man. So my first couple of years, Jesse Tuggle was like, all right, I know this guy's going to be coming for me. And then later on, Al Wilson, loved Al Wilson. Denver Broncos, Texas, you know, love the guy, volunteer. He's a you know, Tennessee kid. Love, love Al. Love Al. Um, you know what else gave me fits? Because he wasn't as tall. And he was shorter in stature like me. So his head, he had a big head, and I couldn't get under him. Zach Thomas. Yeah. Little Zach. Zach was a great just player. Zach. Yeah, great player. Run all over the place. And, like, I like playing against the guys like Ray, because Ray was, like, 6'2", 6'3", but great player, very instinctive, but just brought out the best. So I love playing against those guys. Vaughn, you know, um, Kirkland, Big Kirkland, number 99 for the Vaughn. Steelers. Yep. Joey Porter and all those guys still. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was Donovan Darius, the safety for, uh, you know, that was, for um, Jacksonville. So I, a lot of guys would absolutely give me headaches, but you know, you just get up and you keep going and you know, something wonder you just keep pounding, keep pounding and someone quits. You know, it reminds me Ricky Jackson. When I was seven years old in new Orleans, dad was playing for the saints. We have the saints have the number one pick took George Rogers in the first round. And then Hugh green and, and Ricky Jackson were on the same team. Hugh green goes early. And the Saints picked Ricky Jackson's the second round pick, first first pick in the second round. And Peyton and I, I'm seven, Peyton's five, and we invite my dad invites um, George Rogers and Ricky over for dinner. George couldn't make it, so just Ricky shows up, and we walk in and we're excited, we're fired up. We had just gotten a new basketball goal, so you know, like you used to hook on the back of your door in your in your room, yeah, in the closet. yeah, yeah. So Rick comes over. I mean, he's he's fresh. He's a rookie. He doesn't know you know where he is in New Orleans. So we right. bring him upstairs to our room. My parents are down there having a glass of wine or what have you. And like the the, the ceiling shaking, the chandeliers <laughs> shaking. And my dad's going, "Dear, what is going on up there?" Yeah. Come down yeah. about 
15 minutes later and and Peyton is is crying and I'm yeah. I'm bleeding and no. the dad goes what happened and Ricky goes I beat him 20 to nothing he beat no, <laughs> <laughs> he said, Dad goes, I know we got a good player here. And sure enough, he was are you, are you kidding? He did are not you take it me? easy on us. He did not take it are easy you, on us. Oh my God. Hey, hey Coop, that is that is so crazy. I got so many great stories, man. And and it was like, man, just talking to you and just like thinking about like the Pro Bowls, hanging out with your brother, you know, and it's like, dude. I love your sister-in-law. She did he tell you to pay you told Pay you're gonna talk? Did you tell Pay oh, you're gonna I, talk? I didn't tell him. Okay. And you ought to say, yeah, Lowe, let's say Lowe's getting ready to tell us. So you asked, hey, Peyton, I heard you can sing. I heard you had to sing because mama made him sing. So we have, you know, we sit out there and we have a couple cold pops. And mama's like, if you don't sing, Peyton, you know how, you, you, don't worry. Tonight ain't gonna, it ain't going to go well for you. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Peyton got up there and sung like a Christmas. He was singing, bro. Oh, <laughs> He's, you know. Painting around a microphone is a little bit more. It's all effort, no talent. You know what I mean? So, well, Lo, I can't thank you enough for agreeing to, to come on and spend some time and share some stories and walk down memory lane. It's been a fantastic uh, hooking up with you again. And if there's ever a chance for us to have a couple cold pops, count me in. Hey, brother, I love it, Coop. It's been awesome. And just by the way, you look better than your, your brother. So I just wanted you to know that. That's, go that's going on our, our Instagram feed right there. Tweet that out. Thank you, my man. All right, brother. Be good. Be blessed.